Nothing. Oh, now I do. Here we are. Okay. Hey, we're back again. Okay. It's live. Good morning, Margaret. Conversation with Alaskan Gardeners. KIMY Radio. Call-in show. Landscape Alaska. All those secret words. All those code words. So we all know where we're at. 586-1800. Conversations. Call us up. We'll talk about things. This is a, a garden and landscaping call-in show called Conversations with Alaskan Gardeners. We've been on the air on Saturday mornings for a long, long time. It's sunny today. It's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, it's like the only sunny day for the next 10 days. Riding into town on the ca- in the car today and having the sun come streaming in. The fog, now oh, it's foggy, so now it's pretty. not. Now it's foggy, now it's not. It's it nice. felt warm. Golly, have the sun shining on me, feeling warm. Got a call. What a wonderful, wonderful thing. Good morning, Conversations. Somebody there? Yes. Good morning. Good morning. Is this happy gardening? This is happy gardening. What can I do for you? Could you talk a little bit about the dwarf hydrangeas that you have? I sure will. All right. Thank you. Okay. So, and thanks for the lead-in. So, how many of the dwarfs do we have left? We have Bobo. We have Bobo. We have Bombshell. And we have Little Lime. But no Fire and Ice. No fire and ice, right. So Next year for fire and ice. I mean, we sold out. That's right. That's the plan, anyway. So there are these kinds of hydrangeas that everybody knows about, which are the ones that change color from pink to blue and have the great big round balls. And those kinds don't do very well here in southeast Alaska. It's really hard for them to bloom. But there's this other kind of hydrangea that has flowers that look like long lilac kind of blossoms. It's a very old variety also. It is, and that flower form is called a panicle, and so they're all called paniculate hybrids. And, and there are some that are big, fat flowers, and some that are smaller flowers, and some that, are, that stay pale green and glow in the dark colors, and some that turn colors over the season to pink and dark red. So we buy plants in different formats. We buy some as mature, tall, robust shrubs. We buy some grafted on top of standards so they look like trees. And we buy some as four-inch pots that we then move into a gallon can and grow on. And the dwarf ones that we have available right now are from that selection, correct? That's true. We buy them as little tiny ones. And one of the reasons we do that is to use them as a ground cover. And also because we can get brand new stuff that way. Mm -hmm. We can get stuff that's just barely coming into the market. So the the pointy green ones, they are really, really hardy. And the response to them was so tremendous worldwide that the plant breeders got right on it and they started making all kinds of them. Right. And so this four-inch format, which is one that um, we're very excited about because it it does mean you have to be patient as a gardener because it'll take it four or five years to get to be substantial. But right away, it becomes the size of a gallon can. And from a gallon can, it goes to a three-gallon can in two seasons. So it, it's growing pretty fast and uh, very successfully. And it means that you don't have to have as much soil to get it established as you do when you buy a bigger plant that has, uh, you know, a root mass that's 
a foot to 15 inches deep, well, that means you have to have a bed that deep. And some people just don't have that. So for different environments and different applications, uh, having this large selection of sizes and styles are uh, advantageous for the market and for the buyer and the gardener. The four-inch variety in dwarfs that we have now, I think, would be very successful as hanging baskets. Uh, you do need to plant them with an uh, annual or something for the beginning of the season because they come on late. But if they were in hanging baskets now, they would be full and flowering even with all this rain. And so the varieties that we have available as as dwarfs are one called called uh, bobo. bobo. Bobo, and it's a creamy. And bobo has a, a, a pointier kind of flower, but it's an, a more open form of it. So the wind and rain can blow right through it. And the plant kind of... So it's of more like a quick fire style more of More like a quick fire. Oh, more open right. like that. Less than the ice cream cone type that comes to a point, which right. are tighter flowers and hold a lot of water in the kind of rain we've been having. But the little ones, the little ones called little lime are a dwarf form of the limelight. Lime, yes, limelight. And so they're a more of a dense cone like Margaret's talking about, but they're not huge flowers. And they're, uh, they're really looking cute. This is the first time we've seen them bloom. They're just barely opening up now. We just planted them from a four inch this This springtime. So this is the, our first access to them, but they're really cute. And uh, I've got some at the nursery. You can come and look at them today. I'll have some there. I'll have some of each of the three kinds we have. And next spring, we'll get some more of the fire and ice if they're available. The fire and ice is a really a dramatic, <coughs> uh, again, a wider, looser flower, uh, still making a mass, but not as tight. And it really goes from a creamy, white to a dark red and pink in between so it's very dramatic we're excited we like these new forms and uh and there's other plants we can get in the four inch also and like i said we we practice a application for plants in the landscape because people have so many weeds we call it the eagle crest method which is that you really plant your ground densely so that plants in a short period of time cover the ground and shade out uh, weed seed that wants to take over. So yeah. by doing that with the four inch plants, you can cover large areas uh, with a lot less money and a shorter growth time, uh, even though you do have to wait for them to get mature. Right away, they start squeezing out the, the competition in terms of the wild weeds that are blowing around everywhere all the time. <laughs> and if you want to see some pictures of them, I have put pictures on the Craigslist last night and also on uh, the Facebook on the garden page. Well, and so there are busy? some pictures there. What? Oh, good. Yeah, so you can see pictures of them or you can come see us and look at them. And among the other ones that we got this springtime, we got these, uh, these little spireas that are birch leaf spireas and they're beginning to show their fall color now, and there are some really, really pretty forms. Known as Tor. Tor or Glow Girl, right. Both of them are beginning to show their colors now. And it's early, it seems to me. It's, it seems like it's early for the, the fall colors to be showing up, but really since it's nighttime temperature that rules, you know, it's not surprising. 
Good morning, Conversations. Yes, good morning. I have a question. Something is chewing on my rhododendron plant leaves, and I wondered if they could give me advice. I'll listen. Thank you very much. You bet. And uh, this harkens back to one of my favorite topics. There are some pests that have come into Juneau and do attack rhododendrons, and one of them is called a strawberry root weevil or a black vine weevil and it's a big black beetle that comes at night you can't see them in the daytime all you can do is see the evidence of them eating and they're eating on the the new leaves now and their marking looks like a ticket punch along the edge of a of the leaf of the leaf right kind of a a half oval and if those munching marks that tells you that the that the adult is feeding on the top but it really means that the babies are down below and are eating on the root system. The larvae. Right, the little larvae. And so so really that's the one that we have to worry about. If you have that on your property, on your your plants, you do want to deal with it, uh, contact me. I'll find out if we still have the, the nematodes available. We've been dosing rhododendrons with nematodes all summer all over town. Nematodes are another microscopic life form, and you pour them in a solution around the bottom of the rhododendron and they establish a population there, and they go and hunt those little larvae of the... And it's not a chemical. No, it's, well, it's, no, it's uh, little bugs. Little bugs. Little right. bugs that go down there and attack the other bugs. Good morning, Conversations. Oh, yes, thanks for taking my call. I'm looking for snowdrops, and I've been looking for them for a long time. Where do I purchase them? You're looking for what? Snow what? Snowdrops. Oh, Galanthus, the snowdrops. Um, you can buy them online from uh, tulips.com or Brent and Becky's Bulbs. I know that those two both both go for them and probably Holland Bulb too. And uh, if you can't find them, give me an uh, a email and I'll set you up with something. I, and there is there's a Snowdrop mm, website of people that... Uh, are snowdrop collectors, and and the variety is infinitesimally small, but there's okay. lots and lots of different kinds. Okay, and will they grow well here in Juneau? Yes, oh yes, they grow well here in Juneau. Oh, good, good, thank you. Okay, you betcha. Landscape yeah. Alaska at Gmail will get to us. And that does mean that this is... this. Call. Okay, good morning, Conversations. Oh, good morning, Ben, you take my call. I had a couple questions about getting ready for spring next year. Okay. Uh, so when they say to plant seeds uh, after the date of your last frost, what date would you use for that? Here we usually use I'll Mother's Day. Oh. Wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then the other, other question was, if you have to make a, a new garden bed, it's supposed to be well-drained, do you put sand in it as any particular type of sand, and where can you get it? What would you put in a bed that should be well-drained? Well, we use washed local sand, but you have to specify you want it washed so it doesn't have any of the silty fines in it that regular sand has. And you go to AgPro. That's AgPro? Yep. Oh. And they also import from Canada an imported sand for certain uh, concrete specs and stuff like that for the construction field so you want to make sure you're not getting imported sand because it costs a lot more you want to get the local washed sand 
Okay. Okay. Great. Thanks so much. You bet. You bet. Okay. Bye. So now back to uh, bulb choices, because it is time to be thinking about that for next spring, and the, the bulb planting season is coming up. We're ordering bulbs now. We're going to really have a focus on the crocus this we're, year. We're only going to, ha- unless you contact us, we're only going to be ordering for the clients we have who want bulbs. We won't have them available for retail because the retail business is so, if it's raining too hard, nobody shows up. <laughs> but if you want them, we are getting them. And we have access to, to uh a much higher quality of bulb than we can buy in the retail market. Absolutely. So we're able to go to specialty bulb growers we've dealt with for many years, and we get top quality, high size, many flowered bulbs, and they're uh, a different grade entirely. Absolutely. So if you uh, remember what the Capitol building looked like in the early spring when the crocus were blooming. Those golden crocus were in bloom for over a month six weeks they were in full color which is really a long time in the early springtime they come up before anything else does them and them flowering under the accolade flowering cherries is a great combination i love that well i like to use i mean i know most people are blue flower fanatics and i love blue flowers and purple flowers too uh a lot of people aren't really into white flowers because they're so sick of snow by the time it melts and goes away that they don't want to see white crocus. Uh, I like the golden crocus because it glows in the landscape coming out of winter, no matter what the quality of the light is, where the blue or dark purple crocus tend to recede. So you need to be able to see them up close. So it really depends on how you want to apply it. But I think the gold ones really win the day with our climate here. We like that. And then you don't have to do anything to them. They dry up. They make new bulbs. They uh, wait again for next year and then come back up again. And you, you can leave them in the ground for 10 or 15 years. They gradually get, the flowers gradually get smaller and you have to dig them up at the end of that time and divide them and throw out the little tiny ones and the old worn out ones. But you get a tremendous amount of new ones and then... As you uh, think about the life cycle of bulbs, you're going to fertilize them just as they barely come up. The first time, just as they're barely coming up, the very ends of their noses are poking up, you give them some fertilizer then. And then you fertilize them again after the flowers go down. While there's still green foliage, but after the flowers go down. And then that's it. They uh, store themselves underground and wait for the next springtime. And having successful gardens here really is to, means you have to figure out for yourself what is the easiest fertilizing application that you will use. There are lots of recommendations, and David and I, we do everything. But as a gardener, if you are limited for time, if doing liquid feed is what you want to do, whatever it is that you like to do, just do it it doesn't make any difference all this specialty do this and do that and all that we do it because it's our business and we really are going for the ultimate outcome but as a gardener when I was allowed to just garden you know I just did what was the easiest thing I could and lots of times it was miracle Grow or it was you know some kind of liquid fish fertilizer or whatever it was and 
a little bit of encouragement in this climate, things just want to boom out of the ground. So and it's amazing what a difference it does make once you start fertilizing things. Right. I can't right. tell you how many times I go to somebody's house and I say, boy, it looks a lot nicer. And they turn and say, Margaret told me I had to feed it. Look what a difference <laughs> it makes. You know, and so we go to places where they've had gardens there for 10 or 15 years and they have have languished the whole time and then they start feeding them and the next year even in one season the difference is tremendous so it's really about you as a gardener you choose what you like and you use that <laughs> and it's more than use it if you're especially if you're using only liquid feed but even if you're doing a uh, chicken manure or you're doing um granular fertilizer whether it's organic or not organic or time released you have to do it more than once if you really want a productive garden especially look at this year with all this rain it's hard for food to stay in the cycle because it's getting leached away and of course i'm not encouraging you to overdo it but you don't do it just once in the springtime and then don't do it again for the next six months you know you do it three or four times throughout the season uh, and going into winter, you want less nitrogen, but you still want to feed it the phosphorus and the potash. So you just regulate that. And this time of year, right now, this is the time for your ultimate, maybe you get one more fertilizing for your lawn, but this is a lot, uh, lawn fertilizing time right now. And they're going to store that food, and they're going to pump it into their system, and they're really going to respond both in green growth right now and also in, in stored up energy for the springtime. So let's go back to the woman that has the problem with the leaves on her rhododendron. Okay. So, um, uh, if you're listening, ma'am, send me an email and I'll get back to you if I can get more nematodes. We have used all we have this season, but if it's still available, I will get another shipment of them in and we can still treat them for another month. And, and the other thing about people who are having problems with their rhododendrons is that rhododendrons do drop their older leaves every year and with the amount of wind and rain we've had there's a lot of leaf drop happening so rake up all those older leaves that are laying around on the surface of your rhododendron roots because rhododendrons are surface feeders and if there is any problem you don't want any of the bugs hiding underneath a big mulch of rhododendron leaves you know not that it's going to take care of your problem but it won't make your problem any worse to rake up them out and put them away throw them in the fire or put them in the garbage or something there's both overwintering insect eggs and there's also the spores of fungal diseases that are in the older leaves so yeah keeping all that stuff cleaned up the same thing with raspberries the same thing with gooseberries and the same thing with anything that's vulnerable to foliage infestation lilac this year even the native plant just riddled with black spot and all kinds of fungus i mean it's been raining for two and a half months it's been raining since the fourth of july i mean give me a break i'm out there every day yes i know (laughs) out there and it's raining okay so let's talk about tools let me talk about the uh chainsaws available from tyler rental you can buy them or you can rent them, and you can rent them from the little tiny size that you can hold in one hand while you're hanging up in the tree to the great big size that cut down great big trees. Listen, I think that small, I mean, I think they're all great. Don't misunderstand me. I love the chainsaw on a stick if you have the still uh, weed eater that can be adapted with different heads. Yep, I love And it. I, I want to buy both our young men in our family 
that little tiny handheld chainsaw for small jobs of cutting things up because I for Christmas I you know let's order a couple of those because they'll love that everybody loves it everybody that's seen it loves it and, and you know if you've got anybody in your family who's even the slightest bit tooly they will love that thing yeah you just drive around with it in your car and bring it out and cut I things do up. I keep it in my car right. I keep it in my car with my charged battery you never know I'm gonna have to cut something down that's right and so the uh, other thing just to jump back and forth like spit on a griddle um you don't normally order lily bulbs in the fall for springtime planting but i think landscape alas is going to have quite a few lilies left over from this summer's planting that fall is a great time to plant lilies so lilies are an incredible bulb for southeast alaska and you get them in the ground and they're going to do wonderful jobs for you next spring and we'll have them in gallon or two-gallon cans that are collections of different colors that are oranges and golds and pinks all together in the same container. So they'll look like like bouquets when they come up. And uh, will those be available by the end of next week, you think? Well, the yellow ones are blooming now, so we'll see. But all I mean is let's cut off the stems and have them take the bulbs and sell the bulbs because that's, we, that's have a large, we have a large number of bulbs that we could sell for people who want them in their garden, and they are really pretty colors. That's true. Okay, and listen, if you want to be on Landscape Alaska's email list where we send out special arrangements and special offers and newsletters every couple of weeks during the growing season, Send us an email, landscapealaska at gmail. We'll add you to our list, and uh, you'll find things there that you'll really, really like. Okay, and just to also, I'm not much of a salesperson, but I do want to say we still have some really beautiful gallon-sized herbs. We have beautiful rosemary, Greek oregano. We have beautiful lavender. That's all right. Okay, we got another call. Good morning, conversations. Hey there, you guys. Hey, my cherry tree of... 20 years blew down in the big wind last week. Mm. What and, a drag. Uh, it, it got uprooted. So we had to cut it down. So it wouldn't fall on the house. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, should I take all the roots out from the total bottom, or will it make little sprouts? It's, what, it's probably going to make little sprouts. But the little sprouts will be coming from the root system, which is below the graft line. So they're going to be coming from a different kind of cherry tree than the top part. Unless you have a telephone hill cherry, which you got from somebody else from dug up out of their yard, because they're not grafted trees. Do you know which kind you have? Did you buy it at a store? Okay. Anyway, you can contact me later. But the sprouts that come up from the bottom are a different kind of cherry tree in most cases, just like the ones that come up from the bottom of an apple or different kinds of apples. Okay, and on that note, getting ready for winter means thin your trees out. If you have favorite trees, snow and ice building up on your branches in the wintertime can cause severe damage in taking out not entire branches, but branchlets, all the smaller pieces that add to a tremendous weight. And you can look at it with these big wet leaves on it now and see which branches are hard pressed to keep themselves upright. You want to go through and thin all those branchlets out so that the load on the tree is much 
less and they will come out with new branchlets next year. It's not like they're gone forever. But keeping your trees in good health is really about lightening their load. And there's a lot of trees this year with all this rain that have 10 times the leaves they've ever had. And they really need to be thinned out and pruned. And as they drop their leaves and you can look into them, think about, you know, thinning them out or having somebody come show you how to do it because it's actually a... pleasurable process to be be the one who tends and takes care of trees it truly is and it feels so inspirational there's there's something so delightful about being able to interact with your trees and and be kind of a partner in their trees are all about the future to me you know you plant trees for the next generations even though you're going to enjoy it while you're alive trees are the future and trees live a completely different complex life and you know that's why people like to hug them you know it's like they're around for a long time if long you take care of long them. time and there's some really lovely trees that grow here one of my very favorites is that accolade flowering cherry i just love that early spring light pink flower before anything else blooms right dark bark pale pale pink flowers so graceful looking i just i'm so enthralled with it well, i like I want, some i like some kinds of conifers too since you're working at the nursery i want you to start looking at my japanese maple some more and thin them out to get ready for the snow and ice because i'm okay. not into it we did a whole bunch of it already I, this year i know yeah, but i will go and do some more no problem about that and we have the paint to paint today might be the day to paint the if it gets dry enough the, i got it my uh, car. wound on that one branch you bet so uh tyler's chainsaws also has the chainsaw on a stick you were talking about that's a great tool if you have to do some pruning on your on your uh, larger trees they also have the much bigger extended reach chainsaw on a stick you have to be pretty strong though i mean those aren't for people who don't have nice big muscles to hold up on those chainsaws overhead but boy are they an (laughs) effective tool yeah i just love them Okay, and then we're going to also think about uh, oh, the new raspberry varieties. There's a new raspberry that came from Nova Scotia called Anova, and we have some trials this year, and I have maybe uh, 10 or 12. If somebody's interested in trying one out, come and, ch- and check it out and plant it in your yard and look at it. it the, the reviews for them are ecstatic. And so what is different about this one than any of the other ones? Uh, bigger, bigger fruit, but so tender it can't be shipped. It has to be like a fresh-picked fruit, kind of like a, a ripe peach. Oh, and We'll have Trevor plant some of those today. Okay, I, I did. Oh, good. They're, they're bumped up into larger containers. No, I want them in the ground. Oh, okay. Well, we could, might, might be able to arrange that too. And we have one Canadian lilac. Susan said that she got a new birthday puppy, and so she can't get around planting her lilac tree. So I do have one Canadian lilac, James McFarland Canadian lilac, which will be a a large tree in pink flowers and bloom just after the common lilac. The James McFarland is similar to the Miss Canada, right? Similar to Miss Canada, but a darker pink. That sounds really pretty. It's a real pretty, pretty color. And Canadian lilac is a whole different look of a lilac tree. So uh, come and see me. I'll be there today. There's a call. We're coming up close. Yes. Good morning, Conversations. 
Hi, did I hear that you said we could clip back our, like, rhododendron and the lilac, clip them, clip them back now, or do we need to wait till first frost? Oh, you don't have to wait for frost for, for doing that. The deal about summer pruning, which this is still considered summer pruning, is that when you clip them, they don't have the response of instantly wanting to make a whole lot of new growth. But okay. you do have to think about if you prune lilacs back at this time of year, you're going to lose the flower from the new year. When you prune lilacs right after they bloom, then they'll make the flower bud for the following year. But now you've waited a couple of months afterwards. So it's better to prune them for shape and lose a year's worth of flower than to, to not get around to it. But be aware of that's what will happen. Okay? Thank you. Glad to. Bye. And, and rhododendrons are easy to prune. I yeah. mean, they have buds everywhere up and down their branches. So um, get online and read up about it. But, you know, they're pretty indestructible. And I went to uh, Keith and Carol's downtown, and that lilac you told her to cut back, she did. She cut it back. There wasn't the leaf left on it. It was nothing but black stems. And now it's got new leaves everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. Okay, we're coming to the end. All right. Okay, I think we're going to see you next week. This has been Landscape Alaska. Margaret Tharp and David Lenderman wishing you all happy gardening.